What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murders. everybody and welcome to the new listeners before we get started on today's episode a little bit of business we have another show speaking of missing persons make sure you're going and checking that out uh we also have a patreon where we're putting out bonus episodes every other saturday don't miss those um the patreon and all of our socials are linked in the show notes and the episode description you can find pictures on our socials some from today's episode even and uh don't forget to hit the subscribe button Leave us a five-star review, all that good stuff, so you don't miss any new episodes, and uh, you can get us out to more people. We really appreciate the help. So, all that stuff said, Sarah, is it multiple murders today, or just one, or is it a group of murderers, a single murderer? It's a family. A whole, a family of murderers? No, it's a family that's murdered. Oh, well, all right then. I thought you were going to say it was a family of murderers. I was like, dude, that would be historic. There is a family that from like a long time ago that would murder people together really like house of a thousand corpses style kind of they had like a dungeon oh shit or like a trap door in their floor i do a case request for that sure okay if you listening have any case requests speaking of murders at gmail.com send them there all right so we're sticking with the halloween theme okay this took place halloween of 2010 in Martin, Ohio, we're going to talk about the Lisk family. Okay. So the family consisted of William E. Lisk Jr., who was 53, his wife Susan, who's 46, and, okay, so William had one son before they got married, and he, his name was also William, but people called him B.J., and then Susan had two sons before they got married. One was Derek and the other was Devin and their last name was Griffin. So in 2010, Derek was 23 and Devin was 16 and BJ was 24. So they're pretty, they're grown pretty oh, much. Yeah. So Devin and Derek had a good relationship with their stepfather, William, but BJ did not get along with Susan. Like, he did not like her. The rift between the two put William in the middle, not knowing whether to choose his son or his wife. His son was 24, right? Well, not when they got married. He was a teenager when they got married, and he hated her from the very start. So on October 31st, 2010, Halloween day, Devin, so Susan's youngest son, came home that morning after staying the night with his dad, and he was going to get ready and leave again to go to church because he sang in the choir. And so this Halloween was on a Sunday. Okay. While he was there, 
He had a brief conversation with BJ before going inside and he would later say that BJ was very chatty and friendly, which was not like him at all. Normally he was very brooding and quiet and, you know. During their conversation, BJ was loading things into the back of William's pickup truck, which Devin also thought was weird, but he was in a hurry, so he didn't question it that much. Now, BJ didn't live with them. He lived in a group home in Sandusky, Ohio, which we'll talk about why he lived in a group home a little bit later. Yeah, I was going to say, if he's an adult at this point, why unless he's recently out of prison or destitute i don't see any reason why well we'll talk about it in a little bit so the day before so saturday the 30th william had taken bj hunting at a cabin that they owned and then william told him he could spend the night that night because I guess they got back a little late. He's like, you can just stay the night with us, and I'll take you back to your house in the morning. Neighbor said that William and BJ were getting along good, and everything seemed fine. They were, like, outside, hanging out, having beers together, which neighbors were kind of like that usually didn't happen, but they were getting along great. When Devin was getting ready for church that morning, no one else seemed to be awake in the house, which he also thought was weird, but he just thought maybe they were sleeping in, so he left for church. He Mm. got home from church an hour and a half later. The house was still completely quiet, and BJ wasn't there anymore. Okay, real quick, I'm totally getting the same vibes from this as I did from the guys in what was it nebraska or oklahoma the farmhand guy mm-hmm. and his cohort yeah what do you remember i don't remember their names but you know the case i'm talking about yeah i know what you're talking about well at first so some reports say that even still Devin just went to his room and started playing video games for a little bit not really thinking anything of it other things say that he went straight to his mom's bedroom to see what was going on either way when he opened the door to his mom's room he thought he was being pranked because it's halloween because it's halloween right and what he saw was horrific so his mom and stepmom are laying in the bed and their heads are covered with blankets so he thought he could see blood but he was like oh they're just pranking me And he went and pulled the blanket down and realized this was not a prank. They actually were dead. Oh, snap. So screaming, he like ran from the house and he called his aunt and he told her what he saw. And she's the one who called 911. And she tells the 911 officer that her nephew is screaming and saying everyone is covered in blood. Okay. Okay. When a The police arrived. They found that William had been shot five times with a twenty-two caliber rifle in the face and neck. And Susan had been shot three times in the head and the body. And it was also determined that at some point she had been sexually assaulted. 
You're kidding me. Yikes. No, she had been sexually assaulted. Officers start going through the house to, like, you know how they do, like, make sure there's no one still in there. Right, clear the house of... Right. Well, they find Devin's brother, Derek, while searching the house, and he's inside his bedroom behind a locked door, and at first they're like, you know, this... Great, he survived, he made it. This is our... At first they thought maybe this was the dude, like he did it. Oh. Because he was laying in bed, like, facing the wall, but when they got closer, they realized that he was also dead. Oh, shit. He had been beat to death with a hammer. What? Like a claw hammer. Could you imagine being the only survivor of your family? Yeah. Can you imagine having sat there and played video games while all that shit was in the other rooms? Or like came and gotten dressed and left to go to church? So Devin was like outside trying to cope with what he had seen. Right. Yeah. When the officers come to tell him like your brother's been killed too like he had no idea just everyone is dead yeah when you're 16 that would be crazy well a police immediately thought this was an inside job because there's no signs of struggle there's no signs of forced entry um so they think that he did it at the beginning yes no and he was just had one of those like panicked blackout moments couldn't remember that he did it situation yeah but they quickly realize it wasn't Devin they also in their search they find the claw hammer with Derek's blood on it as well as muddy footprints near the family's deck a neighbor and a family friend of the Lisks tells police that she heard muffled gunshots around 6.30 a.m., but didn't think anything of it because of where they lived. Like, it wouldn't have been a big deal to hear gunshots. So that's what helped rule Devin out, is because he was still with his dad at 6.30 in the morning. Right, because he spent the night at his right. dad's house. Which then made them go, okay, well, there's only one other member of this family and he's nowhere to be found and right he's now nowhere to be found and that's bj and bj had quite a criminal record at the time of the murders he was unemployed receiving social security check he had no vehicle or bank account and no cash william usually picked bj up on weekends to visit him some of these visits did not go very well which is where his criminal record would come in. So in 2004, he was charged with underage drinking, leaving the scene of a crime, domestic violence, failure to control, and unauthorized use of a motorized vehicle. All this happened because he s- took Derek's pickup truck without permission. So he pretty much stole it was drinking, crashed it. It caused a huge fight between him and Susan, and he ended up punching her in the chest during this fight. And then he fled the scene when officers arrived. That same exact year, he was charged with felony assault and robbery and ordered to stay away from Susan after he 
struck her with a coffee mug and stole her car keys. Oh, fuck. So he pled not guilty by reasons of insanity. Of course. And by 2005, the charges against him were dropped. So the thing is, is he actually did have a mental illness. But he became more and more aggressive with Susan over the years because he just did not like the fact that she was trying to have authority over him as his stepmom. And every time she tried to assert her authority over him, he would attack her. And he was either, like, picked up by the police or he was taken away by William. Like, William would be like, okay, that's it, and drive him away. Whenever he was arrested, he was usually released because he was, they would say he wasn't competent enough to stand trial. And in June of 2010, William called the police on BJ and told officers that he had punched him twice after an argument, knocking him down, and then he took off on foot. So it's violent. Pretty much is the gist of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his immediate reaction to anything is rage. Is rage. William decided not to press charges on his son in June, but said he wished his son would take his prescription medication. An investigator wrote that while on his medication, BJ would do great. And he would take it for a while, but then, like a lot of other people, he would think, oh, I'm fine now. I don't need this. I feel good. I haven't gotten in trouble, blah, blah, blah. And he would stop taking the medication, and then he would immediately go into this, like, depressive state and start drinking and then smoking pot. And it would be this vicious cycle that just kept happening over and over again. Yeah. Don't, don't go off your meds unless your doctor tells you to. Right. You're feeling good because the medicine's working. Right. That means continue taking the medicine. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Or if you are feeling wonky on your medicine, talk to your doctor. In court documents, it was found that William wrote that sometimes his son was catatonic. Like he would just go into these catatonic states. Which catatonic, that's basically you shut down your non-responsive right but that he was he wanted to help his son and at this time they made william bj's legal guardian and he was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder so he was schizophrenic right i looked up like what schizoaffective disorder is and it says It's a mental disorder in which a person experiences a combination of symptoms of schizophrenia and a mood disorder at the same time. So the symptoms can be bizarre delusions, hallucinations, thought of something called insertion or thought of broadcast, thought of withdrawal, depression, mania, odd behavior, and problems with communication. And because you guys are like me, I figured you'd want to know like what broadcasting and insertion and withdrawal is. So I looked those up too. I mean, we have children. I'm pretty sure we know what insertion is. <laughs> I think it's probably a different kind. Yeah, oh, it okay. is. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. So thought bro- broadcasting is the belief that one's own thoughts are being broadcast from your mind 
for others to hear. Like you. Oh, so like other people can hear your thoughts. That's what you believe. That would be horrible. Yeah, y'all don't want to know what's going on in here. <laughs> like I if would that panic. was a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you really did that with your thoughts, that'd be fucking terrible. So thought insertion is the belief that another person or object is putting things into your mind. Oh, like that's why people wear tinfoil hats for real. Yeah. It's gotcha. It's like okay. you feel like someone else or an object is forcing you to think the way you're thinking. Okay. And then thought withdrawal is the belief that thoughts are being taken from your mind like against your will against your will yes wow yeah all of that would be terrifying yeah like that would cause a lot of paranoia yes yeah not good yeah so but if he took his medication it helped him and he was fine he just did that whole vicious cycle on october 31st Police found BJ 170 miles away, hiding out at the family cabin he and, he and William had went to the day before to go deer hunting. They charged him with one count of murder at first just so they could arrest him right there on the spot. Right. And a lot of articles I read said that sh- the sheriff, whose name was Bob Bratton, uh, he filled out the paperwork for this arrest warrant in his car using the dome light while they're, like, on their way to pick him up. Like, that's how much they were like, he did this. Yeah. We need this arrest warrant right now. BJ had taken his dad's Ford F-150 when he left the house. Devin had seen him loading it up with stuff. He took William's wallet, his cell phone, which also pointed to his guilt. But the biggest thing that was found was he had blood and DNA in his boxers, shoes, and the truck that all linked him to the murders. So there was really no way he was getting out of it. No. He was quickly charged with the other two murders. Um, At first, he pled not guilty. But in August of 2001, he withdrew his not guilty plea in front of the judge and his family and friends. 2001? 2011, sorry. So he, like, waited until he's, like, in front of the judge about to start his trial, and then he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm guilty. I mean, I don't think there was any way of him getting out of it. I don't think he could have talked himself out of it. No. He decided to give up his right to a jury trial and all appeals in exchange for three life sentences without the possibility of parole to avoid the death penalty. I mean, because they were going for the death penalty, he his de- he conf- he said I'm guilty, so his defense was like, "Okay, we'll take life sentences and you just can't appeal them." Right. This made his charges drop from six counts of aggravated murder to three. I don't know why they were trying to charge him with six to begin with. Don't know. Got me. He confessed to shooting his dad and stepmother and beating his stepbrother with the claw hammer. Like, he said, yes, I did it. From what I could tell, he never really told 
what happened though like what made him do it yeah what was the final straw right but police do believe he killed Derek first to keep him from walking walking in, in or hearing the gunshots or whatever so how did he manage to do that and not wake up his dad and stepmom? I have no idea. Well, I mean, if Derek was asleep, it, it did happen at six thirty in the morning, and if he did it first, that means that he killed Derek around six a.m. or five thirty. Yeah, and so at that point, even if he did scream, it would only probably be one. I would doubt that he would scream. With an intense blow to the head, one alone can do so much damage that yeah. not only would you be disoriented, but it could be fatal all on its own right from the get-go. Well, true. With that, yeah. kind, of hammer, hammer. With that yeah. kind of hammer, that could have pierced through the skull and done so much damage that he wasn't even aware that he was injured. That is Jesus. True. So they think he killed Derek locked him in the bed like locked the bedroom door behind him for just in case i guess who knows and then he went and they think he killed his father first and a lot of things i read believe that he raped susan while she was still alive more as like a punishment kind of thing and then killed her at his sentencing hearing he blamed his mental illness and Satan for his actions. Of course. He apologized for what he did, saying he felt sick for it and wished he could take it back. Can't. Nope. That's a permanent decision. On March 31st, 2015, at 11.25 p.m., uh, BJ was found dead in his cell at the Ross Correctional Institute from a self-inflicted wound. Could not find anything that said what the self-inflicting wound was. I mean, generally, there's only a few things that could have been. Either he got a hold of some kind of shank and stabbed or cut himself with it or hung himself with Well, I don't think sheets. he hung himself. I think he used something to cut himself in some way. But that is the story of the Lisk family that was murdered on Halloween. That's bananas. For nobody knows why, especially since the day before he was seen getting along great with his Um I don't know if you were listening to yourself, but the devil made him do it. Oh yeah, I forgot. I that part just I'm honestly shocked that he let, <laughs> let Devin, Devin just live? go in the house. Yeah. Leave the house. Like convert like had a conversation Devin with was him. The like chatted year old, right? That's chatted with old. him and then just let him leave. Yeah. I wonder if he was waiting to see if Devin would stumble upon something and because Maybe. he didn't, he just let him go and then drove away. Maybe. I mean, yeah, and to be fair, maybe he locked Derek's door so that that wasn't the first one that he found because that one probably was more brutal looking. Oh, also. yeah. A hammer's not a clean way to kill somebody. Exactly. So maybe he was trying to keep Devin from seeing that one first. Well, in all things that I saw, he never really seemed to have like any kind of issue involving Devin. 
But, I mean, he did steal Derek's truck and got into an altercation with him. And he fought Susan a lot and he fought his dad a lot. So maybe he just didn't have beef with Devin. It's entirely possible. Especially with having a mental illness like that. It's really weird to think about how a mental illness like that could make you do something so horrific, but also protect someone you care about at the same time, uh, even if it's just slightly. I mean, it, or it could have been that whatever had drove him to do this to the family, he was no longer under that, right. uh, you know, thought process. He His mindset had changed by the time that he ran into him. Yeah. Yeah, he had already came down from all yeah. of that. Because, I mean, if he killed them around 6.30 and Devin didn't get there until, like, 9, 8.39, that's, like, two hours that he was just chilling in the house with them and, and packing, packing up, the, up truck. the truck. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure he was past the point of the adrenaline. Yeah. I don't know. It's a messed up story. All right. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, let us know. Leave us five stars. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And uh, send your case suggestions to speakingofmurders at gmail.com. Anyone have any final thoughts? No. 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 All right. We'll see y'all back next week. Bye. 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 Bye.